Chapter 169 of Barney the Vampire, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eric Leach. Varney the Vampire, Volume 3, by Thomas Prescott Prest, Chapter 169. The Assassins on the Rialto, The Attack and Defeat, The Stranger. On the Rialto one evening, as the sun was sinking in the golden west, a stranger was seen walking to and fro in deep musing, apparently unmindful of what was passing around him, or of the approach of evening, an hour when the remorseless assassin is known to stalk abroad in the streets of Venice, and there the dagger finds his victim. Several individuals looked hard at the stranger in the cloak, but no one approached him save those who passed him, and in doing so bestowed a passing gaze upon him, which was not returned, for he heeded no one. But he was not much open to recognition even if he were known, for the cloak with which he had enveloped himself was of such ample dimensions that it completely concealed him from the curiosity of the many. Indeed, his face was hardly visible, for the fur collar he wore hid all save the bridge of a prominent nose and his eyes which had a peculiar lustre. The evening still grew darker and later, and the passengers were fewer and fewer, but still the tall stranger walked slowly up and down. But no one ventured to say anything, though more than one had the inclination to speak. But the tallness of the man, and the point of the long rapier which appeared beneath the cloak, checked any inclination to familiarity, and induced a more voluntary courtesy than might at all times have been accorded. There were indeed a small knot of three individuals who kept near the same place, and whose eyes every now and then directed their glances towards the stranger, as if they regarded him with impatience. These men were of a suspicious character. They all wore cloaks and slouched hats, but they had all seen some service, and were somewhat the worse for it. They conversed together and walked away for a short space, but they returned presently, and still found the stranger as before at the same spot. "'Well,' said one of the three, as they again met at a certain spot, "'what think you now? Is he a spy or not?' "'I don't know what to think, Rubino. Spy or no spy, he will interfere with our duty to-night. I wonder what is best.' "'What do you mean?' "'Why, would it be better to chance his presence, or shall we put him away?' He evidently intends remaining there. Uh, the devil only knows how long. I believe you, but it appears to me that both plans are objectionable to the last degree, though I confess I can see no alternative whatever. Which do you consider the least objectionable plan? That is, what we have to consider, for there are but two plans, and we cannot fail to do our business. Should we do so, we should lose something, and we should never get any more employment. Good. If we attack him, we shall lose our chance with our better customer. We shall lose our man at the least if we get clear. He wears a long sword and is a tall man. If he has any skill, and I dare be sworn he has, he will prove an ugly customer. We are three. That is very true, but an encounter only makes it the worse, and even if he be killed, which, if we are true to ourselves, he must be, we shall be obliged to quit the spot and our main object defeated. That is most true, but shall we risk the attempt when there are two? It will make it too many odds. We shall not be so sure of success as we ought to be. We have the advantage of striking when we are not seen. A blow is sure when no hand is raised to ward it off. Aye, we should dispose of one before he has made any resistance, and before the other can offer any opposition or attempt any assistance, should the first have life enough to call out. Come, come, let's have no fear of the result. It is all in our own hands. Shall we not run more danger during the encounter of being taken by others who may come up, attracted by the fray? There is much to be said about making an alarm, because numbers will then be drawn upon us, and you know we have little sympathy among the multitude. No, no, we must make all possible haste, and then we may elude all possible chance. 
strike the blow home and then we may baffle all for if he cry he will fall and those who help him will raise him and we shall have time to make our escape no doubt no doubt tis a good plan very good plan and one that i think will succeed at all events it only wants a good trial to make it succeed you see a strong arm quick eye and swift foot is all that are necessary i see and one more quality what is it good luck granted but that often comes from the manner in which a thing is done and sometimes from the want of skill in those who should make it the reverse confusion for a moment gives us our luck and then we are safe so we are how goes the time rubino inquired one of the assassins for such they were oh it yet wants one hour of the time in which we are to meet him well then we have more than a chance yet of our being undisturbed here and the stranger may leave for some other part of the city but our plan is fixed whether or no shall we turn into a vintner's no we have no time for that as yet no time what mean you rubino that we have no time replied rubino to quit this neighbourhood because you will perceive he may come at any time these next two hours which is a matter of some importance for if he reach home alive we have miscarried and incur great displeasure if not vengeance we care but little for the vengeance of another we may not individually but you must know this one thing knows too much of us and our haunts to be a safe and pleasant enemy besides we shall lose a liberal patron one who has given us some gold and promised us more ay ay he's the man to serve and we will not disoblige him we'll deal fairly by him and he cannot expect more and he will reward us liberally amen say i now we have waited long enough let us walk down the rialto and when we get to the other end we can plant ourselves in such a position to watch his advance toward us and then we can walk to him had we better not remain somewhere nearer at hand because we can then start on him unawares and thus have a blow without alarming him and if that be a deadly one why then we are safe no one will know the mischief is done so much the better but come we will continue our walk it will lull suspicion and when we come again one of our number can creep into one of these alcoves and there wait against his coming and you will be at hand of course we shall keep upon the lookout so as to be near at the moment you commence the attack but suppose i should fall then you must continue the attack in a sharp and rapid manner engaging all his attention to defend himself ay and leave me to myself to the attack of that man yonder should he be at hand at the moment oh no no do not hurt yourself you need be under no fear of that sort for you see it will only be man to man and a fair encounter it has never yet been fairly done and will not be with me in this matter don't you see if help arrives i'm lost and if i be lost without help it will be the worse for you i'll take my share of danger and mishap but i will not be imposed upon by a comrade and so you will understand it first who was desirous you should shall we not be at hand at your heels i expect but don't you see that by giving a minute's time you endanger all for if my first attack fail he ought not to be allowed rallying time he ought not to be permitted to recover himself and attempt defence indeed because that gives me time and we may be beat by others coming from whatever quarter we may go we do not intend it we are only desirous that one of us should be prepared to make the attack while we are walking to and fro and perhaps attracting his attention and drawing it from you then we aid you but should you be foiled why we will hasten as if we were coming to help him i see well let it be so good we can then act effectively and we are the gainers by this stratagem now then roberto do thou hide thyself in yonder alcove i will my dagger is sharp and you know my arm is not usually a weak one and that i have done some service with it ere now thou hast 
and it will again do more. Hush, hasten in. I hear footsteps yonder. Tis he, I think. We will not go far, but within the reach of your eye. Fifty yards at most will be the distance. We will take and come towards you the moment we find he has reached you. Good, begone, he comes. The assassin stole into an alcove, and then paused in the deep shade of the place where he had concealed himself, and the other two walked down a short distance, about a hundred and fifty yards or so, and then paused and looked back. Do you see anything of them? No, I don't at this moment. It is getting very dark. We had better return and see what happens. We shall get up in the very nick of time and be able to take part in the fray. Well, be it so, replied the other. I will go with you, but we run some risk in encountering the stranger in the rapier and long cloak. Most true, but we shall not have taken any part in the affair. That will clear us of anything that may tend to inculpate us. We are right, and if we find our comrade hardly pressed, we can aid him, and at that time when it is unexpected by the other party. Hark! They are at it already. Come on. They both hastened towards the scene of combat, towards which they both ran, for they knew their comrade's voice. The other villain awaited the coming of the stranger, whom he was waiting to assassinate as soon as his comrades had left him. The unconscious stranger walked down the Rialto with a slow and steady gait, humming an air from some opera as he walked along, well pleased in his own mind. He wore his cloak open in front, and his sword dangling at his side, and altogether most unsuspicious of an attack. Scarcely, however, had he passed the assassin's hiding-place than the fellow rushed out and made a desperate blow at him with his dagger, which, however, miscarried on account of the loose manner in which he wore his cloak. The blow was foiled by the folds of the garment, and the wearer turned around. "'Villain!' he exclaimed. "'Thou shalt have thy deserts!' And as he spoke he drew his sword and became the assailant in his turn. "'Help! Help!' shouted the villain, who found himself beset by one who would quickly make him repent his temerity." At that moment the rest of the assassins came up, and commenced a furious attack upon the single stranger, who, of course, from being almost a victor, was immediately compelled to give ground to the three. "'Help! help!' shouted the stranger, as he was forced on one knee and that with a wound. But at that moment help was at hand, and the tall stranger stepped up to his side, and casting his cloak to one side and drawing his rapier, he ran one of the assailants through the body, and he fell backwards, dead." A furious combat ensued between the stranger and the other two assassins, who were compelled to fight, so closely they were pressed by the stranger. However, after a few moments they turned and fled. The stranger then turned towards the wounded man, who was rising from the ground by the help of the pillar that was supporting the sides of the alcove, and then endeavored to staunch the wound he had received. The End of Chapter 169 Read by Eric Leach, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania